0: Get ready to put up Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Chapter 5. Be ready to put that up, okay? Hallelujah. We're going to spend a little bit of time on the Good Friday message first. Um, we don't have a Good Friday service. Sometimes, once in a while, we'll have one. But uh, talking about the cross and the crucifixion and and uh, all the things that go with it <coughs> is uh, best on Goods Friday on Easter Sunday. We talk about the resurrection, though. But uh, we're going to kind of talk about the first one first. Some of you know I've been in the hospital, and uh, I was in there five days, and I had a lot of time to think about a particular Scripture, not that you have to think about a particular Scripture at any time. But I was um, thinking about this one, meditating on it, and I pray with all my heart that you will come to appreciate what I was seeing in this. Now, this isn't entirely new, but uh, some of it is and some of it isn't. Um, new slant on it. It's Nothing's new under the sun, but this is a new slant on it, and I appreciate it. Um, having meditated on it all week, I just was so uh, moved by the content. And I was also so blessed uh, yesterday when I was uh, doing some studying on this particular verse and I decided to listen to Chuck Smith. And I appreciate the fact that Chuck Smith agrees with me. Uh, some of you are laughing because you know he was a little bit before me. Not too many. I knew him. I didn't know him personally, but I'd been to his Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, and listened to his sermons. And I really, really uh, like his sermons, and I like him, and I appreciate his heart. And so he was sharing this. uh, When he got to this verse, I... Just really appreciated the fact that he agreed with me in, uh, in large. So let's just look at this sermon. This sermon—it's going to be a sermon. Uh, this is for he, being God, hath made him, being Jesus, to be sin for us i just read that one more time. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Sin who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And um, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you did this for us. And I just pray with all my heart that I that you would allow me to communicate the, the depth of this. Such thoughts are too wonderful for us. As they are high. We really cannot attain unto them. But let's just maybe, if you just allow me to touch on it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> You might have at one time or another ever heard a little test about what can God not do. Um, You know, God can do anything. And then there's this little five or six, seven things that they list that got five, five things that God can't do. I got that look on Adam's face like, like a cow at a new gate. Anyway, it's one of them is God can't sin, you see. So God can do anything. I believe, and it's my sincere belief in... Um, firm belief that He is about to do something that He has, at this point in time, that has never been done before and will never be done again. That is, God, the Father, the Trinity, is um, going to do something For the first time, not only do I believe that it was... And I'm just going to embellish, if you would, because I've been meditating on these scriptures. Um, Not only that uh, it's going to be done for the first time, but I believe... Now, this is a part where I may get off into a little of um, gospel according to Don... But uh, you have, feel free to agree or disagree with me, because what I'm going to get into is some uh, possible criticism of uh, discounting the deity of Christ and the and the power of God. I do not believe that I am going to diminish the power of God but I'm going to go way beyond the understanding of the power of God. And in my heart, in my mind, and I hope in yours, that it is greater than ever, rather than lesser, rather than less. And that is this, that He's going to do something that has never been done before, And I believe that all the angels in heaven, all the demons in hell, are betting on it. The demons are betting on it that He can't do it. Did you hear what I said? That God can't do it. The angels are, I don't know if they're betting on it, but they're afraid that He can't. I think all of heaven, all the universe was concerned at this moment whether or not this was going to be possible that God could actually do this. And what would that be? Well, we know that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Can you hear an amen? Amen. Thank you. And so... <clears throat> He is part of the Godhead. But what is going to happen here is Jesus the man, Jesus the God, fully man, fully God, is about to be made sin. If you think I'm making this up, for He hath made Him to be sin for us. So God the Father is making His Son sin. I don't think we fully appreciate just exactly what sin is. For starters, uh, Chuck Smith used an illustration in his sermon, in his teaching, and that was that he frequently reads the papers and he reads about the vilest things that in the papers that you could imagine. And sometimes it's what parents do to their little children when they're very little. And uh, it's it's just horrible to even think about it. And he points out, just as I would, that there's a lot of things that I've done in this world. Some of them are really... Horrible and horrible to think about. But I don't know, there's just something that just digs at you a little deeper about that particular kind of thing where a father maybe molests his little girls or something like that. And yet, no matter whether you think you've lived a pretty good life or not, you haven't. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and uh, you know the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it all we like sheep have gone astray everyone has gone his own way and God and the, the, anything that you've ever done the bible says anything that's not of faith is sin the slightest little infraction is worthy of death And so, he was reading about these horrible things and thinking that no matter how good you are, you're just as bad as they are as far as measuring sin is concerned. So, I used to live in Jacksonville, Florida, and I worked for a septic tank, tank company. Now... I was happy to pour the septic tanks during the daytime. That was my job. Break down forms, build up forms, pour in concrete and such. And if I wanted to get in a little overtime, I'd work on the weekends and I would work with the septic tank trucks that would go around and pump the septic tanks. And it wasn't so bad pumping the stuff up into the tanks. But then we'd drive out to where the it was dumped, and it was just dumped on the ground out in Florida. I imagine if the EPA ever got a hold of that, they'd have a holiday. But they um, And I just happened to be out there. It was a very large... We poured something like 30 septic tanks a day just to give you some idea of how many tanks we made and how large the company was and so I just happened to be out there and I could hardly hold it up hold it down it was coming up it was coming up and the boss was there that's the first time I'd ever seen him and he walks over to me and he says does that stink and I said, Yes it does. He says, it smells like money to me. And it's basically he says that's how I get that's how I bring in the big bucks, you know. But it stink, it stinks so bad. And you know, just the smallest of sins is like that tank full of sewage that is dumped out on the ground. It stinks. It stinks. Jesus was made sin with the whole of all of the sins of the world. And the stench of sin was, you know, and now, now another verse that sounds a little similar is, is the verse I was just quoting is uh, before uh, Isaiah 53 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has gone his own way, but the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so that just says it's laid upon him. Well, this says he was made sin. You know, it's like you make something a loaf of bread; it's a loaf of bread. And then if you take all the properties away from that loaf of bread, it ceased to exist. So he was made sin. that knew no sin. When you begin to get the picture of how is this possible that God could be able to come to the resurrection? That God could actually raise his... And it's no wonder it says in Ephesians 1 that according to the might of his glorious power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, that it took all the power of God. And again, before anybody comes up here and lecturing me about how God is all powerful, omnipotent, you know, I know that. But uh, it took, if you want to look at it this way, it took more power for God to raise Jesus from the dead than it did for Him to create the universe. And there's a reason for that. As a matter of fact, when He created the universe, it was a piece of cake compared to this. Because He was made sin. And when it, you just... how you How is that possible? Now, when <clears throat> the resurrection comes, if you... I don't know how many of you, if you have children, uh, you probably, at one time or another, if if you're a Christian, you have children, you probably read to your children The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is a great Christian writer and a solid Christian believer, and he wanted to use fantasy with which that he could tell people about Jesus And so the one movie that depicts it the most is the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. The lion being Jesus Christ. The name is Aslan. And uh, and he lives in Narnia. And he is the king of Narnia. And the witch being the devil. And it says that there was a traitor, a, a man, a boy named Edmund, and so Edmund uh, was a traitor, and uh, after he had tra- been a traitor, the witch had him, and he belonged to the witch. But uh, Aslan went to buy him back, and so it says the only way that they came to an agreement, which says uh, you can have him back, but you're going to have to die him in his place and so he agrees and all the witches the, the witch and all the goblins and everything there rip him apart which is like the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and so on the third day when it was time for him to be risen it was stated in the book that um, there was an ancient ancient law which was so far back that even the the witch or even the devil didn't know about it. In the ancient law, how many of you remember this in the book? Some of you are Christians. Uh, <laughs> But it says it was such an ancient law that the witch had forgotten this ancient law. And the ancient law was, if you died, if you were an innocent person that died in the place of a guilty person, then death could not hold you. You see, that was the ancient law. And that Jesus, uh, death couldn't hold, as we sang a while ago, death could not hold him. The sting of death could not hold him. And so he says that um, Jesus, uh, C.S. Lewis, is, was, was making an attempt to explain why the resurrection was possible Why, thank you. Thank you, Connor. That's my grandson. Hallelujah. His grandmother must have sent him up with that. Oh, it was Connor's idea. I knew it was one or the other. (laughs) But he's trying to explain how, you know, there's some spiritual justification here that there was this ancient law that controlled this. Well, there was no ancient law. There was nothing written in some ancient spiritual, you know, cosmos book that said this. No, what God was about to do had never been done before, nor recorded. And it was like, how is this going to work? How can it possibly be? For God, We just said a while ago, God cannot sin. We know that God turned his back on the Son on the cross when he was made sin, because Jesus cried, why, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it's when it was all the filth and sickness and grief and sorrow and and sin of the world was laid on him, it says in Isaiah 53. But in Second Corinthians, it says he was made sin. He was made sin. How is that going to... What are you going to take if somebody... If somebody's made a loaf of bread and you take the loaf of bread away, what's going to be left? Nothing. But if he's made sin and he is raised from the... What are you going to raise from the dead? I don't know. I ask kind of dumb questions sometimes, I guess. All I know is that something's about to happen here that was so amazing and so extraordinary that nobody could conceive that it was going to be possible. It says the demons didn't believe it. You know they believed that Jesus was God. The demons did. It says so. But they did not believe that they were gonna that he was gonna raise. It says so It says, if the princes of this world had known what was going to happen, they would not have crucified him in the first place. They would not have crucified the Son of Glory. And so, what's going to happen here? Jesus, and why did he do this? Why did he do this extraordinary thing? You know, we we sing all about the cross, and I I love songs, Mike. Mom's favorite song was the old rugged cross. And you know, I love songs about the cross, but the truth of the matter, it wasn't the cross that saved us. It was the guy up there hanging on it that saved us, you see. Jesus was made sin with my sin. Now, I, I don't even know if I'd known, if, if you did know, you know, in <clears throat> Psalm 118, which is a prophetic song. Uh, verse 25. It talks about it, this is the, the Psalm 118. Verse 25 is where we get the song Hosanna. You know we sing a song, the, a half a dozen songs with the word Hosanna in it. It actually means come save quickly, S- come save us quickly, come save us quickly. It was a ch- it was a chant that was chanted by the priest in v- various. Uh, festivals, and it was come save quickly. All right, what would you do? Would you really ask God to come save you if you knew what was going to be the price? You know, when they sang that in Psalm one eighteen, they weren't thinking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. They were thinking about I'm I'm hurting here. Come on with your heavenly host of angels, and save me. They weren't thinking about the fact that Jesus was made sin and knew no sin. It wasn't that He just died for us. He didn't just die for us. Well, He did if we understand what death was. Death is not what we see it to be. We think of death as non-existent. The truth of the matter is, what death is, is to be separated from God. And the Father, you can understand something here. This is about something that is about to happen. That is just, how, how else could they know whether it was going to succeed or not? Because what you have is the Godhead, the, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Father, the Son being made sin, and the for the first time in eternity... The Godhead was going to be cut in two. Hello? There's no small little deal where Jesus died on his happy little cross. I, now, please, I'm not putting my death on the cross down. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't want to go through that. And if, if that's all he did for me, that'd be good for me. But that wasn't all he did for me. He was made sin with my sin. You know, there's a verse of scripture in Psalm 116. What shall I give unto the Lord for all He's done for me? And that's all all, they, all, all David knew when he wrote that psalm was that of the things that he had done for him in this lifetime. He had no. There's no concept. There's nothing to compare to that. Jesus was made sin, who knew no sin. <laughs> All the things God has ever done for anybody at any time, any place, altogether doesn't compare to that. Hello, you know, God, God parting the Red Sea. Wow, I, I love Cecil B. DeMille's too. And don't get me wrong, man, that's something to praise God for and to sing about. But it was nothing, nothing compared to this. So, nothing's ever been done that can compare to this. Nothing that ever will be done can compare to this. God could never do anything for you ever again that can compare to this. He made his son sin. What? Is that amazing? That's amazing. God is so great, so good. How could he do such a wonderful thing? What shall we give unto the Lord? Can you give anything to the Lord? You could work every second of every day of every, the rest of your life, or you could even start it when you were born. Worked every second for God. Died a martyr's death. Went through all the things Paul went through. Went through all the things John went through. And it wouldn't even begin to pay a drop in the bucket for your sin, for what he did for you. You can't repay it. What shall I give unto the Lord for all these? Things? And they, like I said, they were talking about natural things. What shall I give unto the Lord for that? Wow. God doesn't want us to repay it. Hello? How could we? It's an insult to even try. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's almost insulting to to say if you've somebody if you owed somebody a billion dollars and you went up and say I got a penny for you this week. I remember one time when he talked about Kenneth Copeland going to Kenneth Hagin's house, and he says, I want to. He handed him a pink slip to his car, and he says, "I, I just want, if you'll just give me a copy of every single one of your tapes, you can have my car." And he brought, came down with this great big old huge bag of tapes and handed it to him. He says, "Now get that pile of junk out from underneath from in front of my house. I, I live in a nice neighborhood." <laughs> What can you pay? What can I give unto the Lord for all He's done for me? I'll just receive it. That's what you can do. That's all God requires of us is to receive it and to thank Him. for it. Say, thank you, Lord. What shall I give unto the Lord for all He's done for me? Well, we know that when He did raise Christ from the dead... He left all that filth in hell. And then that ancient law came into being. And it came into Christ. And it says that he, he, the Spirit of God hit him. And he went up and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan. We know that from reading Revelation, the first chapter. He says he took the keys of death hell and the grave and he went and he was raised from the dead and all the the saints that died in faith went with him and they went to heaven but when they got there the gates were locked you imagine that how'd you like to be an angel and be given the job of locking the gates For Jesus, when Jesus is raised from the dead, I think I would have been a little, almost a little fearful about that. Like, are you are you sure we're supposed to lock the gates? Oh yeah, we are. Because when the saints of heaven get up there, with God raising His Son from the dead there would be this little song that was sung by uh, the saints of God. Psalm 22 talks about the crucifixion. Psalm 23 explains why. And Psalm 24 talks about the resurrection. And it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. And the angels shout back, the guy's shaking with the keys, you know. Now? Not not no not yet. Not yet. Who is this King of Glory? He's the Lord, strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of Gord. Shall lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and let the King of glory come in. And they let him in. I didn't know this until recently. I was about a oh, month and a half ago. I was doing a little studying and I was doing a little more reading of Chuck Smith. And I did not know this, but that song is going to be, or that chant. That psalm is going to be quoted one more time. And it's back it's when Jesus comes back with a, in a cloud, that cloud you know what the cloud is? It, I'm not talking about uh, computers now. No, we're the cloud. We're the cloud. And he's going to come back and he's going to go straight to Jerusalem and he's going to put his foot right in the middle of the Mount of Olives and it's going to split in two and he's going to walk straight down to the east gate and then we're going to shout at the east gate at the temple, lift up your heads, oh you gates and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors and let the King of glory and they're gonna say, Who is this King of Glory you're talking about? We're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the King of glory, we're talking about the Lord trying and strong and mighty in battle. So lift up your heads, O you gate, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know we serve a risen Savior, but He also serve a Savior that was made sin for my, my sin to save me. How could you not want to serve Him? You can't pay Him back. You can't pay Him back, but you can sure want to serve Him. How could you not want to serve a risen Savior that we have? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. And thank you for today that you are risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for taking upon you the sins of mankind. My sin. It took all of my sin that I might be made The righteousness of God in Jesus. Hallelujah. The righteousness of God. All the beautiful things, all the horrible things that sin is, righteousness is beautiful in the other direction. It's so righteous that it's just light shining out from us because of what Jesus has done for us. Thank you, Lord. He is risen. risen. Amen.